Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm Cynthia Hyatt. I'm so glad you joined me today. And we are talking about the case for reality. You're talking about reality today. And reality is one of my favorite topics. However, this has not necessarily always been the case, I have to admit. Because reality is often very painful, sometimes scary or undesirable, sometimes uncertain. But the reason that reality is so important is that this is where we live. You have your own reality, I have my reality, and that's where we live. So the problem about reality is that it might not always be based in truth. So I want you to think about that for a minute, that I'm in reality, you have your reality, we all want people to be in reality, but many times that reality that we're experiencing is not really based in truth. And so the case for reality is to make sure that your reality is as truthful as possible, that my reality is as truthful as possible. And so the distinction between reality and truth is paramount to my overall health. And that includes my physical health, my psychological, emotional health, my intellectual, and my spiritual health. And I have not heard anybody else really talk about the difference between reality and truth and how they work together. So I hope that this is interesting and thought-provoking for you. And I hope that it's helpful as well. So there is a definite distinction between reality and truth, because what is real to me may not, not, may not necessarily always be true. However, what is real to me is still very valid, and that's a very important distinction. So the reality that I live in may be very painful, may, and it may be filled with denial. However, God knows that if he wants me to have truth, he has to start with the reality that I've created even if what I'm believing is a lie. Now, please stick with me here because this is a difficult distinction and this is kind of a pretty esoteric topic, but I want you to really understand that the distinction between truth and reality is paramount and that when I realize that there are many things in my reality that really may not be true, I I may be believing many things that are not true. That doesn't mean that all my reality is untrue. So the goal for God is to make reality true for his children. See, the healthiest, most powerful, and most influential people are the ones whose reality is grounded in truth. I want to say that one more time. The healthiest, most powerful, most influential people are the ones whose reality is grounded in truth. And we see that in our Lord Jesus. He was very real in the reality of all the people that he interacted with. But his reality was always grounded in the truth, which is God, because he is God. And so it was always filled with truth, even though he was based in a reality that had a lot of lies that he had to contend with on a daily basis. So 
a person that has their reality grounded in truth is truly present. And people grounded in truth are most often in a reality that is based in God's truth. Because I believe that truth comes from God. So he is truth. He is all truth. And he wants truth to the inmost parts of my being. And I love that scripture in Isaiah. So the reason that I, I desperately need God is because I don't know the truth. I have learned much truth, but ultimately I don't know all truth, obviously. I can't know all truth because truth doesn't emanate from within me. So this is where my reality needs to be grounded, and that is with God. So God doesn't want me to live in denial, imagination, or delusions. He, he really wants me to face the true reality of my present situation, even if it's ugly, even if it's sinful, if it's hurt-filled, if it's scary, if it's opposite of God's truth. So I want you, I'm going to give you like kind of an analogy or a metaphor or an example to understand this distinction between truth and reality. I am a psychotherapist for a living, and, and so I, I deal oftentimes with individuals that have eating disorders. And so I can have a, a young woman, an older woman, a woman, a man, also can, they may be struggling with anorexia. And anorexia, we, we know, is a very, very ugly disease, and it's very harmful but it is very real to the person that is experiencing it. So I can have a person in my office that is 85 pounds and they feel fat and it feels so real to them and they believe it so deeply that they can die from it. Now, you and I can look at this person and we can know it's not true. It's not true. Their, their belief that they are fat is not true. So when we talk about wow, we want their reality to be based in truth. That's what I want you to understand, is that all of us have a reality that may not be truthful. And what we don't want to do is go to the world and find out what they think the truth is. We want to go straight to God and say, God, you need to tell me the truth about me, about my reality, my situations, my relationships, your plan, your purposes for me. Because we know that the truth will set us free. And God wants us to have truth and to know truth. So this is where the upside is reality. The upside to reality, as I know it, is real. It's tangible. It's seemingly factual and it's concrete. That's why it feels so real to me. So it's important as we are on this search, this quest for truth, it's important that we start with reality. What's my reality? What are the things that I believe in? And I oftentimes do this with clients. I really want to know how they think. I want to know how they feel. I want to know what they believe about themselves, about their, their life, about their relationships, about their meaning, their purpose, the goals they have, how God feels about them. I really want to know what their reality is so that we can begin to make sure that we are understanding how to insert truth. Because once we have truth in our reality, we have freedom. So I want to give you a saying today that is very important, and it, I have clients memorize it, and I have memorized it, and it is that feelings are very real, but they are not always true. So I'm going to say that again, because it's a very powerful statement. Feelings are very, very real, but not always true. So I can have a feeling that tells me I'm terrible, I'm ugly, I'm despicable, I'm, uh, 
not wanted, um, I'm not loved, I'm not valid, I'm not worthy. I can have all those feelings and they can be very, very real, but that does not make them true. So when we want to impose truth into that reality, we go to God and we say, God, what do you say about me? And whose truth am I going to believe? Am I going to believe mine or am I going to believe God? So I want my reality. And if my reality is that I feel badly about myself, I want to insert God's truth into my reality so that my reality matches God's truth. So it's really important that we understand that God takes very seriously our reality and he does not judge us, condemn us, laugh at us, scoff at us, get frustrated with us. He really understands that we have a reality that we are living in and he wants to invade it with his love, his kindness, and his truth. So what we want to, what, what I want you to understand is this is part of the heart of suicide. We know that Judas was not living in the truth. The truth was that regardless of how ridiculous and stupid and selfish and egocentric and narcissistic his mistake was, Jesus would have forgiven him. That's the truth, that he was still valued, he was still loved, he was still wanted, he was still a, a valid, worthwhile person that could have done wonderful things for the kingdom if he would have received forgiveness from God. But instead, he believed his own truth. He believed his own reality that told him that he couldn't move forward into the next moment, that he couldn't live with himself over what he had done. So we understand that the, the decision to commit suicide is, is based on a person's perception of themselves or the event or whatever they imagine their future will or won't be. So when I'm dealing with a person that is feeling or struggling with suicide, the best remedy is to ground them in a truth versus the reality that they're experiencing. Because the reality they're experiencing is telling them they can't live with it. They can't live in it. So we want to understand that reality is contained. It's controlled by time. And so time passes. Nothing stays the same. The only thing that's permanent and cannot be reworked is Jesus. The death, the life of Jesus. And so our hope always lies in Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good. And so oftentimes we're unable to conceptualize positive solutions or good things. This is why it's important to stay in a true reality, in God's true reality, even if the reality I've created for myself isn't based in truth. See, God is willing to be with me in the reality that I have created, even if it's not based in truth. And he's willing to do that in order to turn it around so that my true reality becomes possible. Because in truth, then I'm free. So the goal is to base my reality in truth. And I so appreciate you listening to this because I know it's quite a, an esoteric um, way to look at things. But it is really important and really powerful for psychological, spiritual, emotional health that I understand truth being imposed into my own reality. So we're kind of ending this segment, and I want to encourage you to continue and work with me on this topic as we look at the idea of reality and how we are going to make truth possible in our own reality. And so I want to also encourage you to um, check out my website, which is CynthiaHyatt.com. My Facebook page is Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's I-N-C for Incorporated. 
And on the um, website, you can also find all these shows. So if you want to listen to this little segment that we did, again, you can always go to my um, website and you can listen to any of the shows that, that have been done on this station. So I really appreciate this. I want you to remember as we close this segment that feelings are very real. They are not always true. And so I want your feelings to line up with God's truth. I want God's truth to be in the inmost parts of your being, that you would be grounded in truth, not just what feels real or what the world says is real, but in God's truth, and that may set you free. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue with this case for reality. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and always I'm glad that you're joining me today. And if you've just started listening, I want you to make sure that you check out my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And you can also find me on Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., that's INC for Incorporated. And there's lots of motivational and inspirational things that are on the Facebook page. So if you didn't get the first part of this show, please go to my website, and it will be on the website by Monday, I believe, and you can listen to the remainder of the show or whatever part you didn't hear. So we are talking about the case for reality today and the, the idea that reality and truth may not always be the same and that there are many things in the reality that we live in that maybe are not true. And it's important that we incorporate God's truth into our own reality so that our reality is based and grounded in truth. So why is it so important to be in my own reality, to deal with my reality? And we always, you know, hear this saying like, you know, we want people to be in reality and get in reality and all these types of things. Because what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to be able to connect and to be able to share a reality that is based in truth. Because... What we find is that there are many realities that we're experiencing that are not based in truth. And I gave the example of the person that's struggling with anorexia, that their reality is they are so fat, they have to starve themselves. And we know what's true. If we're looking at this person that is dying of anorexia, we know they are not fat. We know that what they're believing is a lie. We know that their reality is not based in truth. So how does that express itself in different areas of our lives. Well, it may have some to do with the reality that I'm experiencing, maybe one that tells me I'm not worthy or I'm not lovable or I'm not wanted or I don't have a purpose or a meaning or any of these different types of things that I may be believing that are not based in God's truth. Because the the importance of dealing with my own reality is that I can't protect that reality, and what God is doing in my life if I'm not willing to deal with it. So the, the fact is, I need to make sure that I care as much about my own reality as God does. Because God cares very much about the reality that I live within. That's my life. That's the experience I'm having down here on earth. And even if my reality is not based in truth, which it, it, it can't be because I'm not truth. 
So the more truth I get, the closer I'm able to experience God. He's very, very committed to bringing truth to my reality. So the downside of reality we talked about is that there are many times there are disappointment and problems and uncertainties and heartaches and pain. And so a lot of times we want to avoid our own reality. But what we have to recognize is that God is there. God is with us. And so if he is willing to be with us in our reality, we need to be with him. The upside to reality, like I just said, is that that's where God is. And therefore, it's truly the safest place. Even if the reality you're experiencing right now is uncomfortable or painful or hurtful or feeling unbearable, God is there with you, even if you can't experience him. Because he promises us that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And that he is in the dark places of our lives. And that he will walk us out of that valley. And we are not to fear the shadow of death. So it's imperative that in our own reality, no matter how much we hate it, that that is where we will find God. And when we find God, we find truth. And our realities are then able to change. So as we look at this, I want you to think about how do I manage my reality? How do I finish well? And so I want you to think about this acronym that I'm going to give you, or an acrostic, however you want it to say it. Because I like, I like um, being able to simplify very complex topics. And so this is called reality management. And this is about the reality of who you are. And we're going to look at that word R, A-R-E. And we're going to look at how the reality of who you are, understanding that, helps you to manage whatever your life is, however it is that you're experiencing life, whatever that reality is. And so the only way to really successfully manage reality is to understand the rules of it. And so the rules of it are understanding who I am. Who, and, and so who you are in each moment of your reality is one that we want to have truth-based. So this acronym of the reality of who you are, I want you to look at the word A-R-E, and that means acceptance, responsibility, and effort. So I want you to look at, do I accept myself? Am I taking responsibility for myself? Am I putting effort into myself? That is the key to managing reality. So the reality of who you are. So this, the number one is acceptance. So I want you to be able to really understand the power of acceptance and accepting who you are today. I want you to understand that God accepts you 100% today. Right now, this very moment, as you hear my voice, God accepts you. With all your foibles, all your mistakes, all your craven desires, all your terrible maybe thoughts that you might have, all the great things you did, all the bad things that you've done, the bad things that you're going to do, that you're planning on doing, all of these things that make up you, he accepts 100%. And so there's a very important distinction when we look at this concept of acceptance. Because acceptance does not mean agreement. Acceptance does not mean condoning. Acceptance does not mean supporting it. Acceptance just means that I accept. I accept that right now this is how it is. 
And God accepts us 100% right now. That doesn't mean he agrees with everything I'm doing or thinking or wanting to do. It doesn't mean he's supporting and encouraging bad behavior. It doesn't mean he condones it or that he somehow changed the standard. It means simply he takes me as I am, just as I am right now. And the enemy hates that concept because the enemy, he is the God of lies. He's the father of lies, and his main game is condemnation. So if he can get you to believe that God won't accept you until you measure up to his standard, he will know that you will then have struggles with your reality because that will become unbearable. Because we know we can't measure up to God's standards. We've already, we've already established that. And so when we're walking around in condemnation, that ushers in hopelessness, despondency, all of those things that cause actually more sin. So the enemy wants you to not accept you as you are because he wants to convince you that if you accept yourself as you are today, then you'll never change, that that's just going to be the way you are and then you will be even worse. When God understands that 100% acceptance creates safety and safety helps people change. 100% acceptance helps people have the courage to change. So what God wants you to experience is his acceptance of you, that he bought you, he paid for you, he loves you, and he accepts you 100% just the way you are today because he's not fooled, he's not tricked, he knows exactly who you are. So we end this segment, and I want to encourage you to join me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Please join me in the next segment. If you missed any of it, you can visit my website at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. I mean, I'm sorry, CynthiaHyatt.com. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you joined me. This is the second half of this hour, and this show is about the case for reality, or the reality of who you are. And what we identified about the reality of who you are is that word are is going to be used as, as an acrostic or an acronym. It's acceptance, reality, acceptance, responsibility, and effort. And so we talked in the last segment about this idea of acceptance and accepting myself 100%. What does that really mean when God wants me to accept me? Well, first and foremost, it's the acceptance of all of who I am. It's truly accepting myself the way that God accepts me. And it's not accepting myself only if I think I'm acceptable. It's accepting myself today, right now, in this very moment. Even as I'm speaking to you, I'm accepting myself 100%. Because I have to understand that God accepts me completely, right now, just the way I am. And that's a powerful, powerful concept when it comes to fighting against the enemy because the enemy wants me to always be in conflict with myself because he's wanting me to think that acceptance means agreement, that somehow I'm okay just the way that I am today and I don't need to change anything. That's not the case. Acceptance means I accept myself right now knowing that change needs to occur. When I have clients that come to my office, I accept them completely when they walk in. Everything that they bring with them, I'm accepting. There's 100% acceptance. 
Because acceptance doesn't mean that that's where they're going to stay. That doesn't mean that I say, well, I accept you 100% because that's just who you are and there's nothing that can change. What I'm, what I'm doing is I'm creating an environment of safety that can encourage and inspire them to change, to feel accepted for who they are right now so they can do those necessary changes. So the Old Testament is a great example of how, of how God has to do relationship when he refuses to accept. See, there's a lot of killing and bloodshed. In the Old Testament, nobody could go to God unless there was incredible sacrifice and bloodshed. And then they were able to experience God. So what Jesus did was, what God did was send Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He's the gateway to our relationship with God so that we can go to God at any moment, at any time, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. So it allows God to have relationship with unacceptable behaviors while he is changing us. And so this is extremely important It doesn't that we understand he doesn't agree, he doesn't condone, he doesn't like what's going on down here, but he still wants to be in relationship with us, which is one of the things he wants to encourage us to do with ourself is relationship with self. I need to accept me the way God accepts me or I can't change. So acceptance of my reality many times can bring grief and loss. And I may have to grieve the fact that myself or others in the world around me is not what I think it should be, what it could be, what it ought to be. But I still need to accept the day, the moment, the person, and the other people in my life so that I can allow for God's truth to infuse itself into that reality, into our lives, into our hearts, into our relationships, so that there actually can be change. So the first key in managing reality and managing the reality of me, managing who you are, is acceptance. The second one is R in the word, and that's responsibility. And responsibility for what is occurring in my reality. See, I accept myself first, and then I take responsibility for it. I take responsibility for the feelings, the thoughts, the behaviors. And I say, if God can accept this reality, then I must. So the most comforting thing about being God's child is that I belong to him. He has taken responsibility for me. Therefore, I can take responsibility for me. I can partner with him on taking responsibility for the life that I have, the life that I'm living and the life that God wants me to have. So it doesn't mean that God necessarily takes responsibility for everything I do, but he's taking responsibility for me. I'm his child. Any of you that have children, you have pets, you take responsibility for them. It doesn't mean you take responsibility for everything that they do. And so God partners with me and comes alongside and helps me to make those necessary changes. So I can partner with him on taking responsibility for all of me, the good, the bad, the indifferent. I am now not alone. He is with me in this journey. And if he's not afraid to take responsibility for me, then I can borrow courage from him to accept me, take responsibility for my current reality. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we finish up the reality of who you are. 
Well, thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. I want to encourage you, if you have not heard the first part of the show, to please visit my web my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And my name is spelled just like it sounds. It's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. You can also visit and like my Facebook page. I always appreciate it when you like the page. It's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's I-N-C for Incorporated. And there's lots of great things on that uh, Facebook page. There's inspirational things, motivational things. Also, we'll say if I'm speaking or singing or whatever is occurring in that particular week. So we are talking about reality today. And this is quite an esoteric conversation, I'm sure. And so we're talking about the difference between reality and truth and that much of our reality that we experience may not always be grounded in truth and that God wants it grounded in truth. And one of the ways that he does that is that we practice the reality of who each of us is. So I say to you, the reality of who you are. And it's really understanding that reality and how to take responsibility for that how to live a reality that is grounded in truth. So we're going to use that word R, the reality of who you are, that A-R-E, as an acrostic to remember that the first one when we're dealing with reality and really managing reality well is acceptance. And we have that great saying, acceptance, the key to all my problems. And truly, acceptance, when I accept things the way that they are in that moment, I have a lot easier time managing whatever needs to change. Because acceptance doesn't mean a static moment. Acceptance doesn't mean, well, that's it. It's just the way that it is and there's nothing that can be done. Acceptance means that whatever it is that's in front of me, I'm not going to fight with it. I'm going to accept it right as it is in that moment. And as I do that, then we see where change may be possible. But I need to have a level of acceptance first and accept God's world as it is while he is changing it, the same way that he accepts me 100% while he's changing me. So the first word in the reality of who you are, that first letter, acceptance. The second letter in that word R is responsibility, and that's R for responsibility. So we want to take responsibility for who we are. And that, in and of itself, I mean, acceptance is hard enough, but taking responsibility for who I am, that's a whole nother deal. And so when I'm taking responsibility for me, I need to really be comforted in knowing that God is also taking responsibility for me. I'm his child. I belong to him. That doesn't mean that he does everything for me. It doesn't mean he takes responsibility for everything I do. But it does mean that he's taken me on. I'm in his family. I'm his child. I belong to him. And so he helps with that. So the responsibility for what is occurring in my reality, responsibility for my feelings, I take responsibility for my thoughts, I take responsibility for my actions. And every time I do that, I do that with a level of acceptance, that I have God's acceptance, I have God's complete unconditional love for me. It doesn't mean that he likes everything I do. It doesn't mean that everything I do is acceptable but it means that he accepts me while I'm changing. So I'm going to make sure that this issue of responsibility, that I understand that I have the support of God in that, that I can 
borrow from him. He has a lot of energy. He has a lot of time and he has a lot of thought. He has a lot of process that goes into all of us humans. And so I can come alongside God and I can say, you know what? You came alongside me. I can come alongside you and together I can take responsibility for me. And I can do that without condemnation because when God accepts me, he removes all condemnation. He accepts me completely with love. He accepts what it is that he bought. And I want to give you this great analogy. If you've ever bought a used car, or if you ever know anybody that loves to buy anything vintage and fix it up and make it, just restore it to what it was originally supposed to be, that's the analogy that God has. I always tell clients, you know, God knew when he bought us that he was purchasing fixer-uppers. He wasn't in denial about that. He's not shocked and surprised. He knew when he purchased me that I was a wreck. And he's restoring me to the original design that he created, that he had in mind when he created me. And he knows what that vision is. And so my job, my part of responsibility, is partnering with God as he restores me, as he makes it new again, as he brings it back to what it was originally supposed to be. So this last letter in the word R is E. So we have acceptance, we have responsibility, and now we have effort. E for effort. So I take responsibility and then I put effort into me. I put effort into my life. And so God puts tremendous, incomprehensible effort into saving me from myself. He put tremendous, incomprehensible effort into saving the world, saving each and every person. And so therefore, I must put effort to change what needs to change, to protect what is noble and admirable, to be continuously growing so as to allow, to allow him to complete that good work that he began in me. See, the world's way is to start with effort. If I start with effort, I can't keep going. I get too discouraged. So I'm sure you know what it feels like to try to change yourself solely through your own effort. That's called that, that white-knuckling you know, process. And so even though it's great intention and great motivation to change, I can't do it solely on my own effort. And Romans 6, 17, I love this verse, it says, does not depend on man's effort or desire, but on God's mercy. So what that tells me is it will not work if I start with effort and then hope that eventually I'll accept myself. So the reality of who you are starts with acceptance. Then I take responsibility for the state of affairs, like, wow, this is where I am today. This is what I've done. This is what I just did in the last moment. I accept responsibility for that. And then I put effort into whatever change needs to happen. So it's important that when I'm taking responsibility for who I am, that I also am experiencing and wanting and desiring God's truth. Because I need to know who I truly am so that I put the right amount of effort and I take the, the appropriate responsibility for it. Because I don't want to mistreat something or try to make something true that is not true. And so it's important that I'm really asking God for his truth about me and the amount of effort and the 
the direction that that effort needs to go. It's kind of like, I say, I accept myself who I am today and that I am a female. I'm approximately 5'7". I'm slight of build. Um, and, and I'm in my 50s. Okay. So I accept that 100%. That's where I am. I'm in my 50s. I'm 5'7", slight build, and I'm female. So if I accept that 100% and then I start to take responsibility for that and I put effort into me, well, let, let's, let's imagine for a moment that I had this misnomer or this, um, this idea that somehow I should be able to be the center for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Okay, I just described my physicality. So imagine how ridiculous that would be if I started putting effort into that. And I put tons of effort into figuring out what I needed to do to become the center for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Well, that would be ridiculous. And so part of God's truth is telling me who I really am so that I can take full responsibility for that and have realistic expectations, put the appropriate amount of effort in the right direction. So I want to make sure that I'm asking for God's truth about me. So that when, when I'm saying to you, it's the reality of who you are. You need to ask God who you are. Because God can tell you who you are so that the effort that you put in is not in vain. So it's imperative that when we are looking at this, that we understand I have five realms as a human. I have my emotional realm, my intellectual realm, my spiritual realm, my physical realm, and the social realm. So when I am looking at who I am, and I'm saying to you the reality of who you are, the first principle of that acceptance is in the physical realm. So like I gave you that example of me trying to be a Nebraska Cornhusker. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That is not based in truth. But there are many people that have created a reality for themselves that are not based in truth at all. And they have great disappointment and great exhaustion and letdown and embarrassment. So physically, I accept how God made me. And one of the most tempting issues today is to over-concentrate on my physical attributes and place more importance on them than, than what is healthy. And then my physical appearance can be a great distraction. And I place too much value on it, or I hate it, or I get bogged down with all the negativity that goes with it. Another impediment to the, the physicality issue is, is maybe I don't accept responsibility for it and I refuse to take care of it or I become too obsessed with it. So I want to really think about taking responsibility for my physical body. My physical body was made for me to live in and it was chosen by God for me. And that's important to recognize that this is the body God chose. And if I'm going to fight with anybody, I need to fight with God about it. I have this great verse that God gave me. It's Romans 9.20. And he said this to me. This was in my late 20s when I had a tendency to like to complain to God about my appearance repeatedly. And I'd complain and complain, and why did you make me like this? And why didn't you do it this way? And why didn't you give me this? Why did you give me that? And God gave me this verse one day, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And he said, who are you, O man, to talk back to God and say, why did you make me like this? And that was my first Introduction to acceptance. That God said, I made you this way. Who are you to talk back to me? I like it. And he basically said to me, Cynthia, you don't have to like how I made you, but I don't want to hear the complaining anymore. 
I'm happy with it. I like it. I chose it. And so there are a lot of things that come with acceptance because I may not have the body I want. It may not work the way I want. It may have some impediments. It may have some disformation. It may have some, some fragility. It may have some great dysfunction. But part of partnering with God is saying, I need to accept who I am today. And then I'm taking responsibility for my body and I'm going to put the effort into changing what can be changed and accepting what cannot be changed. And so it's painful many times, but there's much freedom because truth comes with that. And God is willing to walk with me in that truth. So this, the second area, my, my psychological, emotional area, I need to take responsibility and put effort into managing my psychological, emotional arena. Some of us are more passionate, expressive, sensitive. That would be me. Then we have people on the other end of the spectrum that may not have the same emotionality. Each of us, wherever we are on that continuum, need to take responsibility for the emotionality that God gave us. How intensely we feel those feelings, how expressive we may want to be or not want to be, who we are emotionally. We accept it, take responsibility for it, and put effort into it. The third one is in my intellectual realm. I need to take responsibility for my intelligence. I need to put effort into it. I need to educate myself, whatever that may be, whatever level and whatever area God wants. I need to take responsibility for myself socially. I'm a human. I need to make sure that I'm being responsible socially and putting effort into in being part of the body of Christ. So I'm so glad you joined me today, and I want to encourage you to go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can listen to the rest of the show and what, what I said at the beginning of the hour. So I hope you have a blessed week. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.